next panel is going to be a child loss panel. And we know every person on here from the Compassionate Friends. They have a Compassionate Friends connection. We do. We know them fairly well and worked very closely with, with all of them. Absolutely. And monitoring our panel today is going to be Debbie Dulabon. And Debbie is a court-appointed special advocate, founding chair of the Compassionate Friends Diversity Committee, and former president of the board of directors. She was the president when I was on the board, I have to say, and it was wonderful serving with her. And then uh, Sherry O'Loughlin is the CEO of the Compassionate Friends right now. And she's the author of Life from Ashes, Finding Signs of Hope After Loss, Creating Hope After the Loss of Her Son, Connor. And then we have Tim Meadows, and Tim is the executive director of the Christopher Meadows Memorial EMS Education Fund in honor of his son who was killed excuse me, uh, in the line of duty as an EMT. He's also a trustee and vice president of the Compassionate Friends Foundation. And then we have Pamela Hagens, and she serves on the board of directors of the Compassionate Friends and as a workshop presenter, keeping her son Samuel's joy alive in the family and community. And then we have Glenn Lord, who is co-creator of Walking Through Grief, CEO of Peer Support Community Partners, and director of the Support After a Death Overdose Project. He's a bereaved parent, sibling, and child, and is past president of the Compassionate Friends Board. Thank you so much, guys, for being on. It's so good to see you all. Welcome home to those who've been here before. Um, and welcome to the new ones. Um, as I like to call this, this is my tribe. So I want to start off by introducing my panel and talking a little bit about their children. So we're going to start with Pamela. Hagen's affectionately known as Samuel Steady. Samuel Christopher, the firstborn of the family trio, could spark incredibly beautiful fireworks with his two younger brothers. One year after his high school graduation and one month after purchasing a Kawasaki motorcycle, Perhaps a statement of his manhood, the goodbye came after 19 and a half summers. Tim Meadows, Christopher's dad. Christopher was a business school graduate whose heart turned him towards a career where he could help others, EMS. His life was cut short at age 24 when the ATV he was riding overturned while en route to a medical call. Sherry O'Loughlin. Connor's mom, Connor was a deep and inquisitive person beyond his years. One of his frequent sayings was, did you know? Which could be followed by some very interesting and cool facts about science, history, the planets, or nature. Connor had an infectious giggle and smile and he poured his creativity at just music. He left us suddenly in a shocking accident when he was 14. Last and definitely not least is Noah Lord, which is uh, my son Little Dale's friend in heaven. They play together. Noah Lord was a vibrant, fun, silly four and a half year old whose outgoing and inquisitive nature allowed him to explore the world around him. He spent many days cooking with his mom and planned with great enthusiasm to be a chef cooking man when he grew up. He absolutely loved and lived life. Sadly, those dreams were never realized. Noah died from a series of medical errors following a tonsillectomy, errors that shouldn't have happened. And my son, Little Dale, Dale Lee Dulabon III, died um unexpectedly from uh, undetected and unknown heart fibroma. Good morning, panel. So we're gonna get right into it. Um, everyone's loss is, is different. So I'm gonna ask the question of, in your toolbox nuggets, I'd like you to personalize how you've handled your grief. And let's see, we're gonna start in the middle of my screen. We've got Sherry. 
I think, um, you know, there's two stages. Um, probably all of us would agree with grief. The early stages, it's really just getting by in any way we can. Um, so for me, those were things like physical. I walked. Um, I was always very, uh, you know, um, into physical fitness, but I walked. I just had to walk and walk and walk so much. I read voraciously. Um, I needed music. Um, that was about grief and about loss to have some relating and finding peer support um, for me through the compassion of friends. But there's lots of peer support out there um, because I needed to know that there were others like me and others who had found some way when I really couldn't find any. Um, then I think over time, a little bit, it got more mindful. Uh, there were practices that just really helped. I wrote, uh, I was just prompted and compelled to write. Um, I created a toolbox of things that helped that I could share with others and that would help me at a moment's notice. Um, we created lots of honoring opportunities like random acts of kindness in Connor's honor. And the more that I helped do those, the more I could find some steps and continue to keep his memory, his heart and my love alive. Thank you, Sherry. Glenn, why don't you tell us a little bit, little bit about Noah? Because every time I hear train, I think of Noah and Little Dale playing together. Well, as you mentioned in the introduction, Noah was four and a half when he he um, he died. But if it, anyone had met Noah, you would found him to be someone who really did want to understand the world. I mean that I love that. Um, did you know concept? Because um, Noah was on the other side of that. He was younger. He would always ask um, why and what if it. And I know the little kids do. We've had two others, so I understand that with him it was different because he really wanted to take it much deeper and he really wanted to get to understand um you know what what you know with we we knew to cremate him because he had had a discussion about what happened with the dinosaurs mm -hmm. and he had specifically stated that he did not want to be buried in the ground and so we actually knew that about him because of his driving down to how did the dinosaurs ultimately end up to be bones in the ground we knew that that was not his wishes. Um, so it, it made it easier for us to know what to do because we had some vision of what his wishes were. Yeah, so that would be, I think, what I'd tell you to, you know, got to know Noah a little better. But um, I would also comment with Sherry. I think one of the things that helps um, as far as a nugget of of, of finding hope is, um, is peers. You know, you mentioned this, your tribe. And I think it is about finding your tribe. Um, and I think it is about recognizing that your tribe, it may not be the tribe you had before, your child died. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it can be very hard and very challenging. But if we as the bereaved, sometimes have to be the one to reach out and find our tribe, because sometimes our tribe won't reach out to us. And um, but if we can find our tribe, I found that um, connecting with others and, and really being able to find people where I can, in one sentence, be completely devastated and crying. And in another sentence, completely be sharing the the joy in my life and no one feel that it's a contradiction that I can in, in an instant go from two extremes of the universe and to find someone who can get that I think is a big help in the it's a tool that I would ask people to put in their toolbox. Thank you. Pamela, um, tell us about Samuel, the one that could spark the incredible you know, beautiful <laughs> fireworks. Well, Samuel, when he came into a room, you knew his presence was there and he just had a a bounce and um, a life and a smile and mom, you know, and just playing with his brothers and um, going back and forth with his brothers. And so obviously, you know, when he passed, it was just silence in the house. And, you know, they were talking, but it was just a silence that we all 
recognized, but um, he was just a life and energy, very athletic, and um, we liked to compete and, and just go at it, whether it was a football game or watching the Baltimore Ravens cheering for him, my granddaughter had on his jersey and his baseball cap that he bought when he was seven years old. Um, and we were cheering for Baltimore yesterday, but we're a sports house. And so um, we love that competition. And I just want to comment on the toolbox nuggets that um, you'd asked about it and Sherry mentioned. For me, it was writing, um, having a night playlist. The nights were so hard, having um, songs that I can listen to just to kind of help me drift in and out of sleep. But having that playlist, reading, um, journaling, writing, and that writing evolved. As Sherry mentioned later on, it evolved in writing about grief and to inspire others that were walking through um, those areas, but being very candid as possible with my feelings in the writing, um, but also running, um, just trying to stay active. And I was signing up, I was away and felt out of connection with people, but signing up for races to be in community, but I didn't have to talk to anybody. We were all running in the same direction. You could personalize your bib. So I began to personalize my bib with things like Pam and mom or Samuel and, and Pam and, and just wonderful things to remember my son. So finding those little things helped me with um, early on and then they evolved and kind of expanded into other things later on. Thank you. Tim, give us a perspective from, you know, male grief and a, a few nuggets of like how you handle, um, you know, Christopher's. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure if this is exclusively a guy thing, but um, I had to do something. I had to, I had to engage in some activity. And, and my biggest fear, actually, after Chris died was that he would be forgotten because he wasn't here to represent himself uh, as, as the rest of us do. And so I poured myself into creating a scholarship fund that would, would have his name on it, keep it, uh, his name alive but also pay it forward to other people that wanted to pursue his dream of, of EMS. And um, I realized about five years into that project that it was actually therapeutic to me to do this. It wasn't just that I was honoring Chris's memory, but I got some power out of, out of doing this. And, and, you know, fundamentally, we need to talk about our kids. And a lot of us don't have a regular vehicle to be able to do that. And this scholarship fund gave me that. Great. I noticed that each one, when you were speaking of your child, your face is lit up. So, you know, we when we talk about our children, we provide sunshine yeah. to the world. So in that, you know, uh, I'm going to start with you, Glenn. Tell us something about Noah that makes you smile, a great memory that if we met him, we would get, we would be right in on that chuckle. I think that the, the, one, of the one of my favorite memories is um, we, uh, we took a trip up to Prince Edward Island and we went in October. And for those of you who've never been in October, uh, Prince Edward Island is a beautiful place and it's but it's quite quiet at that time of the year and we stayed in a hotel that um, had an outdoor pool and he absolutely wanted to go swimming but they had turned the heat off in the pool about a week earlier and um, Prince Edward Island in October is not a time you want to go into a pool that doesn't have heat on it it's probably about 60 58 60 degrees was the water but he was absolutely convinced he wanted to go into it. And um, there was a hot tub by it, nearby it. And he convinced me that um, we could take turns running back and forth between the hot tub and the cold tub. And it was um, and it was a lot of exercise, a lot of fun, but we probably went back and forth between those two pools like 50 times in about 15 minutes before I finally decided that I couldn't take it anymore. It was done, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed that. 
Wow. Pamela, give us something, you know, about Samuel that would make us smile and like enjoy. Just tell us something special. He was just a character, you know, he would play pranks and, you know, we had a ping pong table in the house. He was, he could talk trash. Let's just put it out there. We'd be playing ping pong and he's going at it or we'd be watching the football game. We live in Tennessee, so we're tight fans and as I mentioned he was a Baltimore Ravens fan and he would just lay on the floor on football Sunday and he would just talk but it was just so fun you just laugh you had a good time and he would he could find a way just to make you smile and take digs at you just to see your reaction and in a fun loving way so um we do that still with one another and uh yes it was an example I delivered something to my youngest son that has moved out and I have this fetish of trying to help them furnish their place and he just said, Mom, I have 13 cheers in here that you bought, and I live alone, and I could just see Samuel all in him and in that expression, and I just, it just made me laugh inside. He didn't know the connection, but I thought of Samuel. Mom, he has enough cheers in his apartment, so he could just say things that would just make you think and laugh and sometimes just want to choke him. <laughs> Tim, tell us something special. Um about Christopher that makes a smile. So so Chris, uh, well, actually his smile is what made uh, everybody else smile. You know, he could turn uh, a bad day for somebody into a good day just by the warmth in his smile. And he had a, he had a huge heart. He, um, in high school, he sat in front of a girl that he heard talking, overheard talking about the prom coming up. And she had already bought a dress, but didn't have anybody to take her to the prom. And he turned around and said, I'll take you to the prom. That's the kind of kid he was. And uh, I, I think about that and many other memories all the time about how big his heart was. Yeah. Sherry, tell us something about Connor that makes you smile and that'll make us smile as well. Well, you know, asking any parent to identify one thing that makes a smile is hard, right? But uh, yeah. a, funny, a short, funny story. So, you know, he was very athletic growing up and, and I played with him a lot and taught him different sports and we practiced and that was just the way we bonded and had so much fun. And then when he got a little older, um, he was very much into football and the Green Bay Packers because we lived in Wisconsin and Brett Favre. And so he was uh, not happy that I could not throw a football and he didn't want a mom who stunk at throwing a football. So he worked with me, worked with me and taught me how to throw a football. And I actually got a heck of a football arm distance wise and spiral because he wasn't going to be done until I could throw the football and he could, you know return all of the time I spent with him. So I can throw a heck of a football because of my son. <laughs> all right. Okay. So with, within our joy, there are really some deep, there's some deep grief, you know, it's a scab we continue to pull off. And um, we've got about six minutes left. So um, this question is that I want to ask you, it's a double question. Um, tell us one of your dark, <clears throat> your darkest moments. And then at the end of that question, but that's just the question at the end of that. Say your child's name. So let's start with uh, Sherry. Darkest moments. You mean um, from their from the loss? From or? their loss. From the loss, or just in the time that they've been gone? Yeah. Um, Connor played the piano tremendously and actually created tons of music and won competition composition com contests. 
So I remember afterwards, you know, Pamela alluded to this, like it just went silent in a day and never came back. So one of my darkest for sure was the loss of that music. And I try to find other ways to bring it back, but um, but I miss the music. So, Connor. Thank you. Tim? Well, Chris and I took a lot of trips together and I dearly miss the uh, ability to do that with him. And, you know, I mean, there's no day that's darker than the day our children uh, passed away, but that's the thing that I um, I I miss the most. And his name was Christopher. Glenn. Well, you know, you talked about this earlier, and I'm going to share a slightly different perspective on this because the memory I want to share with you all that I think was dark, but also offered me an interesting perspective is um he was four and a half when he died, and um very few people who actually knew him besides family remembered him. Um, year he would have been 18 a young lady contacted us and said um, I'd like to invite you to my high school graduation and Buck said okay why she said because I was Noah's friend and I would like you to come to his group to my graduation because we would have graduated together and it was both incredibly hard to realize that he wasn't going to be at that graduation, even though at that point it was 14 years later. And I was kind of surprised how at 14 years, something could just smash me over the head like that. And yet at the same time, it was beautiful that someone had remembered him and someone, and, and that it been something to her to invite me. So Noah, thank you. Pamela. Um, going to the beach, um, some vacations that we took together, some I have not um, been able to do just yet. And prior to getting on the call, Tim had mentioned about going to see a play and, and that it was all right. And, and that question popped up in my mind. I didn't articulate it. When do you know it, it's all right to test the water? But um, we did a lot of uh, beach vacations. And so um, I have not had an interest in doing that or not sure how that will feel. Um, but I know my darkest hours often was the night, Sammy was out during the night and um, didn't make it back. And so um, for me, that's what a lot of my writing takes place at night. I think clear at night. Um, I don't know how that is, but I think clear at night. And so, um, yeah, going to the beach and, and and spending that time together as a family. We will do it soon, I know, but I have not tried to orchestrate that. Um, I will share that my son was six when he passed and when his high, when his class was graduating from that school, um, the teacher, the principal, brought all the students back in his class there because we would give out scholarships and his um, for good character every year. And so I saw these kids coming in, and I just felt like, oh, that's great, they're coming today. And then it didn't dawn on me until they were all together that it was his graduating class, um, you know, there. So that was just a moment that was like really, it was just wonderful, but it was you know a stab in in my heart. And we, um, it's just something that's like, I can't, I get past and then I go backwards. You know, it's like uh, someone said, like the silence is, you know, really loud. Like Dale and I, are, for us, our house is too big now because we don't occupy parts of it. We live in certain rooms and the other rooms are kind of like vacant because, you know, those were his rooms and the things that he did, uh, lived in. Um, 
last week because we were coming on down, but you guys are doing great. So um, this is a question that we didn't talk about. Tell us something that you want us all or just help the, the, our listening audience about like the grief journey. We've got two minutes. Glenn, go. Allow the joy and the pain to dance together because that's what, to me, finding life again was not about removing either, but allowing them to both coexist beautifully together. Tim? I think the the lesson I learned is that life does go on, uh, even though it's an alt you're on an altered path, obviously. But uh, I agree with Glenn that you know you have bitter and sweet together, and that's the way life goes on. Pamela, be kind to yourself. Give yourself a lot of grace. Take itsy bitsy steps in the beginning, and as you take those itsy bitsy steps, people will walk alongside you, and those steps become strides and you thrive in areas that you never thought you would again. Sherry? I would say going back to peer support or whatever that looks like, it doesn't have to be formal, but letting people in. Um, it's hard to do that, but you know what we see at the beginning is the pain, understandably, and it's hard to imagine any of our shattered hearts ever being whole again, much less growing. But you know, I can't believe how much my heart has actually grown. And when I hear all of your stories, you know, the four of you here and your pain and your joys and what you do now in the world and how much bigger you are, that all that actually makes my heart grow. And we're all that way because of the person we lost. And so that's a hopeful piece of what comes later after we've kind of gone through the muck of the beginning part. And I will end with the story of my son. We were taking road trips and he is Dill and Dulavon III after his grandfather and dad. And we were taking, and there's used to be a commercial where they would draw on the back of, of the head. Like, you know, you need to use super role game. And my son was sitting beside, behind his grandfather and he kept doing this. And I, was, and I was like, what are you doing? And then he goes, granddad, you need to use super role game. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I said, that's not polite. You know, and so we <laughs> laughed and because we were in the back and then they wanted to know what are you laughing about? So I had to tell them, uh, you know, you need to use Super Rogaine. So, um, <laughs> you know, from the mouths of babes. Um, we thank you. We hope that something, all of what we said has resonated with someone. But, you know, always I say, find a safe place for your grief and for your memories. Share your memories. Speak them loudly. Thank you. I've learned that it helped me to help others, to know I'm not the only one, put one foot in front of the other, find a life. Adding hope to the darkness, you start on the trip to recovery. Reach deep down inside and say, I am gonna live on. We laugh, we cry, and remember. Hope without action doesn't work. Hope with action can change the world. We always say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours.